The conversation you're about to hear does not necessarily reflect the personal views of all involved. We're here to start intellectual discourse in the Christian worldview. Hopefully, you can gain something from these second-rate saints. Enjoy the podcast. Wait, your argument against God is atheist in the gaps? I was going to ground this conversation into, like, personal life. I thought we were just going to ground the the podcast uh, into the ground. (laughs) She had a uh, uh, scissors right next to my neck. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the second episode. No, this is not the second episode. The third episode of Second Rate Saints podcast. You've already forgotten. Yeah, you know what? It's just everything's a long time. I'm going into midterms, and I feel like I've already just come out of midterms. Fair. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're down two members. We're down Stuart and Cole. So you just have me, Caleb, your producer audio man, and to my left, across the table. Yeah, we can't do it to our left anymore. No, we don't have enough people to fill the square table. Um, to I'm Joel. Welcome to the podcast, and I'm the resident um, hunting enthusiast. Cool. To my left is Josh. <laughs> my name's Josh. I just took a nap, and I got woken up, um, so I'm ready for this podcast. Cool. How did you prep for this podcast? Um, I did a practice podcast, then canned that practice podcast, remembered the things we talked about, and I'm now going to repeat all my lines. Cool. You know how Joel and I <laughs> practiced? We all practiced. We, yeah. We um, anyway, I was getting into, we, we prepped for this podcast by eating one whole third of a bacane chocolate cake. But yeah, we split it up into thirds. It was delicious, guys. I, this I, this podcast is not endorsed by McCain's Deep and Delicious Cake, but if if you're out there, come on. Yeah. But, we would love our first sponsorship to be Deep and Delicious. Something that's also not a sponsorship, but very interesting. Yes. Your book that you have sitting there. Yeah. Are you reading? What are you reading? So I've been reading uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. Um, it is a... <laughs> oh, man. We look ridiculous it's, it's right now trying to record this. the real lore of uh, Legend of Zelda. It is. It is <laughs> I've come to the conclusion it might be the, the book adaption of Legend of Zelda um, in the fact that it talks about all of the archetypes of a hero, um, the way that... A hero might um, leave home, you know, acquire power, um, and then return home with some new uh, idea. And I've already told you guys a little bit about this, so this is a bit of a, this has been spoiled for you guys a little bit, but I would recommend reading it if you're into literary criticism. Cool. Um, he does take a kind of universalist view on mythology. Okay. He doesn't, uh, he's not a Christian. I don't think he's any other religion from what I've seen so far. Um, But he's kind of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, taking the pieces out of different mythologies and and, uh, showing you exactly what it means to be a hero. And uh, this is kind of carried into a lot of our modern culture and the way that we look at movies and and kind of victory arts. That's super cool. Yeah. No, it's one of those books that's like on my reading list. Yeah. But uh, like I think you and I have talked about those ideas 
quite often, actually. Oh, for sure. But and and he, he does reference um, Freud and Jung, which are people we've also talked about. They're obviously psychologists, if you know anything about that field. Um, but he doesn't look at it from a psychological perspective. But he, he, he looks at it from memes, basically, right? Like yeah, his, that his, they are integrated parts of culture. Right. Yeah. But that we can, but narratives are ways that we pass down these ways. Hey, how do you overcome, mm-hmm. um, let's say, a difficulty or triumph or character growth? Mm-hmm. And then we, we distill it into stories. Yeah. And that that's how we categorize, let's say, successful heroic characters. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. He, um, he'll he take the same sort of uh, method that the psychologist used for dream analysis and then overlays that onto mythology um, from a strictly narrative sense, which I thought was very interesting because you don't see um, literature and psychology cross paths that much. Sure. I mean, I, I didn't think you, you do, but as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm seeing the lines uh, drawn between it. Yeah. What is the hero myth? So he calls it the monomyth, right? Okay. So the, the one myth that encompasses all kind of a thing. And uh, it would probably be easier to just tell our listeners to look up the hero's journey diagram. And it'll, it'll come up with a, a circle that, you know, has the, uh, the life cycle of a hero's myth, right? But uh, It is just Lord of the Rings, though, right? Like it's yeah, just Frodo's it can journey be applied to so many. Lord of the Rings. Moses. Um, Moses, he does like directly reference, absolutely. Yep. Um, the Lion King is like a huge part of that. Um, and then, like I said, Legend of Zelda is an adaptation of that because it is the hero throughout time being reborn again and again to essentially you're playing the same game. <laughs> like nobody plays Legend of Zelda for the plot anymore, I don't, I don't think. Maybe they do. I don't think there ever was a plot. Unless hey, that's like, the hey, idea. Hey, no, no, no. Ocarina of Time to Twilight Princess. That, no, is, no, no. that is an actual, concise, almost, plot. Yeah, but it's kind of like in the background. Like, it's not like, you don't play the plot. You, you're right. The plot <laughs> plays you. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it is kind of a, a, a side thought to to the to game itself. Um, at least in, in my take. I just want to kill a moblin. Absolutely, and that's that's kind of the thing. I'm trying to find where the chart is in Welcome this. Welcome to our that's Nintendo Is that podcast. the true life? That's uh, Jägersil, yeah. But, Jägersil, yeah. But the idea of the hero's journey is the, mm-hmm. the character, let's say, is, it, it, now correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character is innocent, naive, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever kind of weakness is. He gets yeah. taken out of his peaceful place, mm-hmm. gets thrown into an adventure, um, discovers adversity and challenges, um, they'll have some success and they'll often fail due to a personal fault yeah. and they'll have to find a way to overcome that fault. And then in the end, when they beat the final challenge, adversity or whatever through normally by them learning to build off of them, perfecting their weaknesses or mm-hmm. getting over their weaknesses and learning to grow and mature. Then when they return home, Yes, they return home, but they return home better, stronger, more insightful, wiser. Yeah. And so it's like this whole cycle of going out mm-hmm. into the quote-unquote chaos, if you're going to go with like archetypal stuff, mm-hmm. um, learning to tame something and then come back home all the wiser, um, which is super cool um, because that's kind of how we articulate growing up and becoming an adult too. Yeah. Well, he, he actually touches on uh, Christianity's emphasis of being born again, mm-hmm. right? That there is something, um, the way that he, he lays it out in three basic structures, and then there's, you know, 
more precise. I think it's 20? 20 different um, levels or, or whatever it is, but there's three three main ones, and that is uh, moving from the, the common day to the supernatural wonder. Um, then you encounter uh, a mysterious adventure, and then you return to your fellow man to bestow power upon them, right? So basically it's going out and being changed by the supernatural, or being changed by something um, outside of your own experience, and then coming back and sharing that with the world. Right. right? Well, it, does he get into... This might be a very boring tangent for those who mm-hmm. don't like literary criticism. But does he get into how the idea of self-sacrifice and overcoming weaknesses is mm-hmm. often accepting that you yourself are not good enough or you yourself are not sufficient? And so you have to, what is often called, go through the underworld experience. The yeah. death and... Oh, descent into the underworld is absolutely part of the second okay. um, the second section. But there. it's like you have to recognize that the previous you must pass so that you can become something more. And whether, like in mythology, it's often categorized as the hero going through the underworld. And... He calls it the belly of the whale, actually. Yeah, so he uses that's a, a big yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I did a paper on Jonah, and it was one of these things that was on the side that's like, that's awesome, but has nothing to do with my paper. Mm-hmm. And I was very sad, but it's so cool. Yeah, he names all the sections off of it's like... like Jonah doesn't come out better. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily. That's that's more the transition. It's not yeah. actually being in the underworld itself. Yeah. Um, his uh, explanation of is the belly of the whale or the passage into the realm of night. Well, right. Ooh, it depends. Shadowfell. Actually, yeah. <laughs> if we get it, nice. if we're gonna derail into Jonah just for a quick second, yeah, he yeah. may come out better because he yeah. understands that God is not only just mastery has mastery over Israel. He's master over everybody. Everything. everything. Yeah, and yeah. especially if you interpret it with the Jewish mindset of the beasts of the ocean, yeah. are the monsters of the chaotic deep, the yeah, un, uh, the disorder. It yeah. often categorized in Jewish thought as like could be thought of as demons as the yeah. other the enemies of god come from the ocean yeah. and like you see that in, da- in daniel and even in yeah. revelation mm-hmm. um rising up out of the sea yeah exactly so that when he sees oh god can preserve life when i am in the inside a monster of the of one of the enemies of god yeah oh, oh okay and so when god commissions him the second time in chapter three he's just oh I, okay i'm i'm going now i don't like it I hate it, but his understanding of God's supremacy is much higher. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry for that derail. No, it's good. No, that that actually works. Let's let's see if we can add more things into the Jonah story from from his. uh, This might be boring as anything about a a plant getting eaten by a worm. Hmm. That's really specific. Also, no, I don't just want to start talking about my Jonah paper, but yeah, you can just post it on the blog. Yeah, we could. And by the way, uh, the blog, people. <laughs> yeah, we've been neglecting to post on the blog because I don't think I have the time to, to fix up my old assignments well enough to put them onto the internet. Yeah. Um, I don't want to put any more of mine. I already have one up. It's basic theodicy, which mm-hmm. actually, speaking of theodicies. And Are we going to move to our topic? We're going to move to our topic. So no. last week, okay, yeah. we were going to do... Oh, I'm sorry. We can come back no, to no, that. No, we you don't. Want. Let's not come back to that, because I just looked through them. Not a lot of them apply to Jonah. Most apply to God in that story, actually. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> last week, we did what is Christianity. Now we'll do why is Christianity. Um, and so we'll get into some apologetics, some stuff like that. Um, there's a basic theodicy. Theodicy is an answer to the problem of evil on the blog. If you're interested in that, check it out. But um, 
We talked about what is Christianity in our mind and or our mind's definition. What do we see that it adds? How does it fit in with the rest of the world? How does it transform the world? Um, why, though? What, why believe that? Why think that that holds any credibility? And we kind of broke it down into three sections. There's a the historical side of things. There's the philosophical and moral, and then there's the teleological, which is like the, not just the teleological, but the cosmological, the scientific arguments, um, mm-hmm. as one might call them. Um, yeah, we're going to break down it into those three categories, but Josh, you were here for the, what is Christianity? Mm-hmm. Why though? Why though? Yeah. Um, interesting. I, whenever these questions are dropped on me, like just in life not even on a podcast, but just in life, I always like all my education just goes flies out the back of my brain (laughs) and I can't think of anything. Um, But why? Um, Well, let's start historically. Um, It has shaped the world. Not just Western society. It has affected Eastern society, Africa, like everything Mm -hmm. shaped human history. Uh, uh, become the effective religion of entire continents mm-hmm. for 2,000 years. Uh, we joked about before about how it became the measurement of time. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Do we want to bring that conversation into this? Oh, we can. Because yeah. this was a reference to something we were talking so, about before the podcast. Yeah. yeah, so after the Julian calendar that had problems in it uh, were revealed because the, uh, the, the Roman emperor was having problems. Uh, organizing his kingdom, he he instituted the Julian calendar, mm-hmm. and then after that, the um, the Catholic Church was having t- problems with the Julian calendar and running uh, continents with that, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so they were uh, they were like, oh, it needs continent, and a guy named Saint Gregory, yeah, sure, Cardinal Gregory, maybe, yeah, I actually don't know. A guy named Gregory, who happened to be a priest in the Catholic Church, who was also a scientist, Mm -hmm. came up with a new way to measure time called the Gregorian calendar, which fixed the leap century problem, um, which every 400 years the calendar set back. Um, And and we've been using that for forever. So what you're saying is is the Christians won because we measured measured time based off of the birth of our God. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, then, yeah, but other than that, historically, like Christianity has had a massive impact over Western history, Eastern history, over world history, humanity. Yeah. Um, for me, like you have your normal apologetic arguments mm-hmm. and we'll get into those and those are very interesting, but yeah. we're the ones that I just continually get butted up against. And it's to the point now it's at work. It's the primary one that I'll give now. Yeah. It's just what do you, historically though. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Jesus? Who, to you, in your mind, who, what do you do with mm-hmm. with the, the quote-unquote yeah. facts, right? Like, what do you do, okay, if he's dead, if he died on the cross, mm-hmm. okay, which vast majority of scholars believe. Yeah. Um, how, how... Christian and not. Yeah, Christian and not. Yeah. Um, how do you account for, well, A, the... the the disciples proclaiming that he rose again from the dead, uh, and B, the uh, the authorities not parading his body out and going, no, he's obviously dead. Yeah. And so, how did the body disappear? Did the disciples really believe? Mm-hmm. Which is another question. Um, 
and wh- how do you explain those facts? And does, does that mean anything? Yeah. And so in my mind, the one that continually comes back and it's less like, you know, philosophical and, and more less ivory tower. It's more just the, what do you, how do you explain away the historicity of Jesus yeah. in his death and yeah. supposed resurrection? Because if the disciples, which, uh, what's his name? Um, Chuck Colson okay. mentioned, uh, he was, he was the guy who went to prison for the Watergate scandal. Yeah. Um, and was in prison when he was reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. Oh, wild. Uh, <laughs> Mere Christianity, good book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that every second episode. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and he was like, well, if there was, you know, six of us or however many of us that there was that couldn't hold a secret for that long, mm-hmm. and no one was torturing us. Yeah. Imagine 12 guys trying to hold a secret that they all knew, oh, yeah, no, they broke in and stole Jesus' body, and then yeah. all got, all were tortured not all, many of which were tortured to death. Yeah. And they, they gained nothing materialistically out of the lie. Yeah. They and were poor. So most, even seculars, will go, well, the disciples believed. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so there's that. So the disciples really believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. Okay. So what happens if he didn't actually die? Mm-hmm. Well, you're telling me that a guy who was you know, scourged, mm-hmm. then thrown up on a cross... Romans thought he was dead because they stabbed him in the side and water and blood came and out, they're which perf- they're really good at killing people. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're really good at torturing people and killing people. They know it's, when there's dead people. They, yeah, they used to line highways with crucified people. Yes. So they, um, And so there's that, and you're telling me they put him in a tomb, he rolls away the stone, and the guards run away because they're scared, and then he walks up to the disciples, and they're like, oh my goodness, he rose from the dead. Not... Oh my goodness, Jesus, you're alive, but you look really bad and you're about to die. Yeah. <laughs> That's not super convincing to, hey, I have, you know, been resurrected and I live in a glorified body and I am, I will now ascend to the right hand of God on the throne. Yeah. That's very, very different pictures. And the disciples believed the latter. Also, they saw him fly into the sky. <laughs> y- yes. But if we're <laughs> limiting it to like the historical, you know. Yeah. Um, how do you account for the disciples' belief in, hey, no, Jesus is transformed by his yeah. resurrection? And you're telling me that they concluded that he's been transformed by seeing a guy that was pronounced dead by Romans, scourged, hung up on a cross. Looks and then like he's a zombie. Looks like, looks like, yeah. No, have you guys seen uh, uh, The Matrix 3? Yeah. No. Okay, you know when the when Zion's attacked and there's the one guy in the giant mech suit <laughs> and the horde of, uh, yeah, 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 I know, yeah. Got, this like, is the, the Bible cut. extended universe, by the way. And the guy's got like the cuts all over his body yeah. from all the machines. Yeah. yeah, he looks like that. Well, it's just just watch Passion <laughs> of the Christ. Just watch Passion of the Christ, and you'll, you'll get why you know visually. I, that's a better example because it's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but nice tie into the Matrix. There's yeah, a little for bit the, of... for the non-Christian audience who may have watched the Matrix. <laughs> yeah buddy this is a very se- subsection of people that we're going after <laughs> um yeah so it's this the idea that he didn't die doesn't really stand up to the facts and there's just at the end of the day what do you what do you do with jesus mm-hmm. how do you explain that mm-hmm. and no matter what you what you say you gotta you, you gotta believe something you start an empire yeah well and there's, there's <laughs> we so, can make a religion out of this so there's there's one co-worker that i work with and he's a He's of the mind. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But, I mean, as long as you believe in something, you got to go with something. Yeah. And so I have, I have yet to bring this up. 
because it's just not quite the right time. But there will be the time, and I have it downloaded. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna say, but it's the idea. Of, so when you say, "Hey, as long as you believe in something, mm-hmm. hey, you know, as long as you're you know actively trying to be a good person, you pray, quote unquote, and you mm-hmm. you know try to be spiritual." And this guy's like a 50, 60 year old male, grew up in the church. Yeah, hasn't been a Christian for forever. Who knows? Um, when you say that, is that are you aware that that's your interpretation? Or do you really believe that that's what Jesus thought? Mm-hmm. And just bring up the idea of, hey, regardless of what you actually believe, as long as you're aware, yeah. what you think disagrees with Jesus. Just so just so you're aware of that. Because if you don't think that, then, hey, there's some clarification and let's go, hey, you know, um, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except yeah. through me, you know. And yeah. do you believe that, hey, Jesus is the way well, to the Father? Well, like the, the idea that um, if you try to tell somebody that all roads lead to mm-hmm. the top of the mountain um and saying that anybody who uh believes in a religion that is exclusive is bad um that idea is itself exclusive because you're saying that all religions lead up the mountain and that every other idea is wrong and so it's it's just doing the same thing it just masked as a more yeah. inclusive idea yeah mm-hmm. so eh, so there's that whole idea of the of what do you do with Jesus? Yeah, is I don't know. It seems to be the older and older I get, the more and more I care with that argument itself. And it the more Calvinist you get. This you're right. You're right. Yeah. But that's a different problem, Josh. That'll come up later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people know what to do with Jesus. I was today. I was getting haircut actually, and I ended up having a conversation about the same thing. That you know, if I had to to put a name to what my barber was, uh, she was probably universalist mm-hmm. right the way she was talking nice haircut by the way thank you i appreciate it um it's not good people it's excellent it looks the same as yours caleb i don't know what you're talking about um <laughs> yeah so is mine <laughs> never mind um okay where was i yes she was probably a universalist um based off of the fact that she she didn't really get it it's it didn't didn't seem like it was it was landing for her. Yeah. Um, Were you evangelizing while getting your hair cut? I was trying to. I was trying to, but it it's. But she had a sharp. You she know, was very metal right by yeah, his head. She had a, uh, a scissors right next to my neck. So <laughs> no. Um, her her thought was that you know everybody needs something like you were kind of yeah. saying there. But she was also asking me questions like, "Hey, can you get married?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, different different kind of uh, oath I'll have to take." I think. Um, you know, then of course I'm I'm from Newfoundland, so the problem of drinking came up. She's like, "So, do, so do you drink? That's a big part of like Newfoundland culture," which I thought was a weird thing to say to me. But if if you have that in your mind and you want to bring that up, that's fine and dandy. But uh, I didn't really know what what to say there because I was trying to engage in a culture that I clearly wasn't part of. Mm-hmm. You know, there was an expectation set on me to you know. This is not coming across exactly how I would like it, but that's kind of the point. Is I didn't mm-hmm. know how to talk about Christianity in a way that she clearly told, like she basically told me at the beginning of the conversation, she was not uh, for Christianity or really any religion at all. Yeah, um, she considers herself to be kind of the bartender position where you just talk to people, yeah, right, and you don't necessarily make any truth claims over them, and you don't want any made to you, right, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I don't know. This gets into, we're deviating a little bit from our thing, but you guys can tell me whether or not this is appropriate or just 
come along for the ride. Okay. Um, my current policy at work is to just, when someone asks a question, just give the full bore proper, <laughs> the answer I would give. Throw the Bible at them. Yeah, actually. So when, <laughs> yeah. when I had, I had a coworker who's, um, I would say he's not actively submitting his life to Christ. Hasn't for a while. Um, he but might, he is a Christian? Well, that's not what the definition would be. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying like, like was at a time. He was, yeah. He okay. grew up in a Christian household. His parents are Christian. His siblings are Christian. Yeah. He is, he's just not actively submitting his life mm. to Christ. Um, super interesting guy. I like him. Um, but he made an offhanded comment about how, um, you know, well, the world's just the way it is supposed to be, right? All the pain and suffering and all that. And my immediate comment, and I'm not sure if I was right to do this. My mm-hmm. immediate comment is... Do we think so little of God's plan that it doesn't include our pain and suffering? Mm-hmm. And then we just rabbit hole down <laughs> in there. But it was like, I'm not necessarily sure if that was the right thing to say. Or it might have come across like God's planning for suffering, not his plan includes, includes everything. So it, suffering is a part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, like, it worked. But like, yeah, when someone asked me, you know, a question about what am I writing a paper about? Like, if it's Jonah, I'll go full bore into Jonah and just yeah. like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what the Jewish thought is, and this is why Christians think this. And yeah. some Christians might think this, but they're wrong because of this reason. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I just go the full nine yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Not 18. I guess it's 10 yards. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Man, I'm bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the point. And I was. Um, like okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to get a name to this barber because I forget I forgot to ask your name and now I feel Don't bad. Don't say it on the podcast. I won't say it on the podcast. That's fine. But every time I try to refer, anyway, dox cool people. Thing. Don't want to dox people. Um, but they can tell when you're being disingenuous. Yeah. Like they can tell when you don't believe what you're saying or when you're yeah. holding back and not saying what you actually believe, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I don't know how to how to confront that exactly. You know, speak the truth. Like we are evangelical by definition. <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do. Yeah. N- not the don- in the denominational way, but in behavior, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? What do I think yeah. about evangelism? I guess so. Yeah. Well, um, like when someone asks you why Christianity, well, what what's your response? I think. I think. Uh, I. I try to relate it to their individual. So like, I won't, I don't, uh, give the same response to every individual. For sure. Like, um, if I'm talking with like, um, oh, what's the example? Like that was one time I was talking with a friend who likes the Bloodborne games. And so you get a lot into HP Lovecraft's like Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. And I was, uh, and we were talking about like them and he started talking about like religion and stuff like that. <laughs> And about how, um, anyways, and I started to bring up God in the Bible. I started mm-hmm. talking about how Cthulhu is this like unknown being mm-hmm. from outside of the universe. Um, but the difference between him, like there's similarities between him and God, which is that they're uncomprehendable yeah. in, and they're from outside, but in the Bible, our God is personable and he individually relates to the people who believe in him yeah um and that's so much more powerful than the crazy idea of cthulhu because Mm -hmm. it's also more horrifying in its own way yeah yeah (laughs) 
Because yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh, that thing's talking to me. Uh, but also, Cthulhu's, Cthulhu comes from the ocean and has animal features. Uh, and so he's kind of just a beast from Daniel, which makes him one of the demons that you were talking about beforehand. Yeah. 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 Um, That's the first time I've ever heard H.P. Lovecraft come up in evangelism. <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just like, 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 I'll, like I'll do that. Whatever the conversation is, I'll just yeah. be like, oh, here's a connection. Like, oh, here's, like, oh, we're talking about people who, like, were, like, uh, Shang-Chi, the father's, like, this super mass conqueror, murder, horrible human being, and then becomes, like, this nice dad, and it's just, like, <laughs> doing Dance Dance Revolution and stuff like that with his kids, mm. and then we were talking about, and then I brought up Paul, who was hunting down Christians and killing people, it was crazy, and the church was afraid of him, and then became, mm. he became, like, the head of evangelism. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, everybody's like, oh, Paul's great. And he's writing all the literature. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Hmm. And so like, like whatever the conversation is discussing, I'll bring up that aspect of scripture. Cause scripture, as Timothy brings up, can be all of scripture can be used to extort, teach, whatever. Extort. <laughs> extort. <laughs> extort. <laughs> <laughs> uh... hmm. That's a different kind of evangelism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can you can relate because God is so multifaceted and his religion is so all-encompassing. You can mm-hmm. bring up anything from somebody's life and relate it back towards God. Yeah, I agree. Completely fair. And that kind of gets into the reasons yeah. why. Yeah, well, I think the, the ones that I've had the most effect and have been the most effective on me... Mm-hmm for why Christianity and the ones that really kind of like looped me back in when I'm, you know, yeah. uh, 19 um, was C.S. Lewis's moral argument, man, Christianity keeps coming up and it's, it's both <laughs> bad and great. I mean, yeah. kid, let's, let's just get it out in front. C.S. Lewis kind of just hits everything. He's with his great. So like, we're going to bring it up because mm-hmm. he's very intelligent. I swear. And he's easy to communicate. I swear at one point we won't mention C.S. Lewis, but anyway, until then, we will. <laughs> yeah, no, his, his moral argument... Well, do you want to explain it. just the moral argument? Well, the moral argument is that there's... Without without an exterior moral law, mm-hmm. independent from each human being, mm-hmm. that has to exist in some fashion, Yeah. Um, there's no real moral grounding for why we go, oh, that ought not be that way within the universe. Yeah. Or that person ought not act that way. And what is ought? Meaning that they're 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 not acting in a way that it is not just proper, mm-hmm. but in a sense that their action or their partaking in the ought not is analogous to abuse of freedom. So, for example, it would be uh, it would be the same as if you built. Um, you're at a you're at a factory, and you have a machine that's built to pump out egg McMuffins for McDonald's. A fourteen year old under underpaid worker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. At the factory, not at the restaurant. Um, uh, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, but it starts pumping out egg McMuffins, but instead of being like the normal golden tan or whatever color they are, because I'm colorblind, they come out as like dark green. And you're like, that ought not be. Sure. It's not yeah. doing what it's supposed to. Yeah. Now that that gets like 
applied in super complicated ways mm-hmm. and that gets more and more complicated but the idea is that we're yeah. to use biblical terminology is you're missing the target that there's something that should have happened that isn't yes you're off yeah that quote unquote ought not um and the idea is that we can we look around at the world and there's a bunch of these mm-hmm. and so everyone recognizes that ah the lines are crooked they feel they, they reach down yeah. they feel on the ground that the ground is cracked reality is broken things aren't the way they quote unquote should be but the idea that everyone has a sense of what should be and how people should behave and what should be the, the correct mode of conduct is alarming okay so what you're saying is is that um, it's not the idea that there there is a list of behaviors that humans should do like we have a moral law yeah for example but it's that everybody has this sense whenever somebody sees a crime happen their initial reaction is that shouldn't have happened yes and, and that, it's that initial reaction that's the moral argument uh, yes like, to an like extent the fact that everybody on earth minus a few exceptions because they might have some mm-hmm. disabilities or whatever um the fact that everybody has this, though it might not be aligned the same, mm-hmm. is the idea that there is a proper way to exist. Yes. Well, and, and you see that with, so C.S. Lewis calls this the natural law. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's this, uh, people have argued that, well, there's different moral ethics. You can kind of go that way. Um, but there's, this, so let's say, let's use a couple examples. Um, some people would say, well, there's, there's, some cultures you can have multiple wives yeah or some cultures you don't have to be generous to anyone outside of your family or some cultures cannibalism is honored sure cannibalism might be the might be an interesting exception but just because there are colorblind people in the world doesn't mean that mm-hmm. that that means the world that, doesn't have color yeah yeah that the okay. world doesn't have color yeah. or that that is a standard well yeah there's 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 a couple groups there's one papua new guinea the the original uh native people there they would eat the dead after a battle mm-hmm. um because they believe that you would gain the skill from the warriors you defeated nice yeah uh, <laughs> that's wild um and there's a couple there's one in south africa south america but uh but the idea is that that there's this if we're going to use more word pictures that there's a straight line that everyone is aware of. And it is because this in the background of every human, there's this knowledge of the straight line that when we see crooked lines, we know they're crooked. Yeah. Um, Cause if that doesn't exist, well then it's just, I don't prefer that behavior. I don't, it doesn't yeah. mean that that doesn't mean that that behavior is quote unquote, bad, evil, or wrong. It just means that's not preferable. Yeah. I don't enjoy that. Yeah. That's not conducive to how I want different preferences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so C.S. Lewis goes, well, whatever that is, whatever is the originator of that yeah. m- must be something. Like yeah. that's not just a material, materialistic mm-hmm. um, conclusion. How is that not concluded from like evolutionary sociology kind of a thing? Like how, Colton, how and I, Colton and I go all over on this and he would be the other end of this. I'll give my explanation mm-hmm. and then Colton's not here so he can't give. His. I'll yeah. try my best. Okay, to agree um, with Colton <laughs> and see, fight um, for his side. You see a lot of you see a lot of ethical decisions mm-hmm. are not just are not just hyper complex, but they're detrimental to the individual. If you have 
if in the evolutionary yeah. model you have groups that have quote unquote mm-hmm. um, evolved to have a social system that values and puts forward detrimental values, they will die in comparison to the ones who don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really odd that in the, the let's say in the Christian sense, but not just in the Christian sense, but just as we understand morals as itself, is it's always good to tell the truth, mm-hmm. period, even if it costs you everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or it's always good to do the right thing, even if, like, let's use an example of, okay, there's someone on one side of the room that's going to, that has a gun. They're going to shoot the other person on the other side of the room. Yeah. You should jump in front you should yeah, try I to say this is a better... even if even if yeah you're not going to stop even if even if it's not going to actually stop the the injustice but you should part you should you have a moral quote-unquote it's hard to articulate it it's it's not it's not an obligation and it's not a responsibility it's the idea is is that if you were to not take the bullet for somebody everybody around you would go that man's not courageous Sure, sure. Well, the thing with the bullet thing is it's not, you don't, may not have a yeah. moral obligation because it's understandable yeah. not to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. That there's no obligation, yeah. no response. It's not an obligation. But the idea is it would be better if you did. Yeah. Um, it would be better if you went in and tried to save the child in the burning building. Even yeah. if you knew you couldn't, it yeah. would be better if you did. Everyone well, would understand. And it's okay if you yeah. don't. Well, because nobody could know that. Right. <laughs> but, so. but the idea is that our ethical systems at at their core have those ultimatum yeah. self-detrimental self-detrimental values like their core ideas yeah. mm-hmm. i will fall on the grenade so the five men in my foxhole don't die right um that are seem counterintuitive to the evolutionary model however i do I, not um i don't think that the dropping it i i understand with the truth one mm-hmm. uh or doing the right thing but i don't think the uh i think the grenade like falling on the grenade so the five men in the fox will live mm-hmm. um i think that still falls under the evolutionary theory of surviving in a there's some of them yeah, yeah there's some of them for sure but the the idea is that the the core foundations yeah um have self-detrimental ethics and that would run against the evolutionary model um, Colton then goes normally argues into sociology. Um, that's that's what I was going to do as well. Like mm-hmm. it's it seems like some of these things or the majority of these things could come out of just natural human experience. And and you mentioned memes earlier when we were talking yep. about like the structures. Mm-hmm. That's you know um, things that humanity believes in that they've believed for so long. It's almost genetic, right? In the way yep. that's developed. So that's why you you know um, it's memetic. Mimetic, yeah, there we go. That's, yeah. that's now, like, you can make that argument. Yeah. And it's not a totally bad argument, but those who make that argument then often don't realize the, not just realize, I think they realize, but they don't formulate it. That they are saying that those, that when th- ought not things happen, mm-hmm. that they're not preferred. Because in that framework, there is no actual evil. Not in that transcendent, yeah. Going mm-hmm. against the moral law. Yeah. And so our narratives, our memes, mm-hmm. might be so enrooted to it, like 
ingrained into us that we can't articulate otherwise? Or are they actually part of our core of what a human is? Like you can make that argument, but it does mean that we just prefer certain things, that they're not good. Not in the way that we actually treat them, not not the way that we behave. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna make an existential argument of how we act about it, is we don't act like certain things are preferable when good mm-hmm. things happen and certain things are, you know, um, not well, preferred. We go that is evil and it yeah. needs to be stamped out. Well, it, you could say that the 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 counter to that could be that it's preferable if everybody had done so. So I'm gonna take part in doing that. You could, but we don't behave that way. I. But- I think we do in some ways, right? Like, you know, if you, okay, say you share your food for a year. Sure. Right? Like, that's the most basic example. And then you know that maybe next year, if you don't have enough food to survive, you will be given some um, by the person you shared with. This is this whole idea, right? Um, how, doesn't, how does that not create a um, community hatred of somebody who steals from the food pile, <laughs> Right. That they realize when somebody goes against what has been ingrained in humanity that they are evil. Right? I don't understand your analogy. Okay, so you're, you're saying that we don't treat um, those who go against the, the memes, I guess, or yeah. the, the cultural expectation. We don't treat them as evil. We treat them as not preferred. No, I'm saying we do treat them as evil, not as not preferred. We okay. treat them as evil. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. if somebody comes into the food pile, steals, yeah. well, and t- no, makes but, off with it, no, you don't think the community will view them as evil? No, my argument is they do. And that yeah. is why we don't... Well, that is why when the people... They say we don't view it as not We do view them as evil. And yeah. so everyone who goes, well, it's just a meme. Yeah. It's just... it's Then they buy into the evolutionary argument. They mm-hmm. are ignoring that existential argument mm-hmm. that applies in this case, where it's, no, as a society... When the Nazis do something, mm-hmm. we don't just say, oh, that's not preferable. Yeah. We go, that is evil. Yeah. Not just, we, we, whether or not we actually, quote unquote, believe it, mm-hmm. we all behave as if there is that straight line. And when their people do yeah. deviate from it, our behavior shows that we believe in a natural law. Okay. That's what I'm arguing. Mm-hmm. Now you, I don't think I agree with you. How, how, did, how did you interpret uh, C.S. Lewis's moral argument then? Because it could just be we have different interpretations. I, I didn't think it was the strongest. Okay. Like, I, I that's not um, a, a, an apologetic that I, you know, go back to when I'm <laughs> feeling doubtful. Like, that's it's not, not that high in, in my mind. I, I did read through it. I just didn't, I guess I, I didn't uh, take as much significance from it. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that it's both methods explain the same action that think- we can view... Uh, those who oppose humanity's good as evil. I think one method actually matches our experience, though. The other method just matches, just makes a framework that could work, Mm -hmm. but the one actually matches how we experience evil and good. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, so let's brand, let's continue this thought. Um, when you're saying that we, um, and I'm just trying to understand what you're saying, both of you. Yeah. Um, when you say that um, when somebody does something and we view that as evil, like the Nazis, are you saying that because we view it as evil, that means there's a law? 
is a moral law. That would be one of the evidences of it, yeah. Because okay. we because we don't articulate it that hey that's not conductive for human society, although that might be a part of it. Yeah. We don't say oh that's not conductive for those own people. Mm-hmm. Human behavior says they're doing evil, and okay. that has to be stopped. Same thing with a mother who stops feeding her child, mm-hmm. or we don't go hey that's not healthy. We'll go hey that's evil and it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Hey that's evil and you're treating your own people bad. Hey that's evil. Don't do evil. That's yeah. how we behave. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're a, um, where's what is what is it called? Um, behavioralist? No. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, that's a whole own thing, but it's not yeah. exactly holding water in the most recent mm-hmm. decades. But that's a different problem. Yeah. No. It's just it's been so long since I've written. I mean, written. Well, since I've read C.S. Lewis's um, moral argument. But the way I always took it was: Do you guys have you ever watched Faulty Towers? No, ah, not enough. Okay, there's a there's one skit. So Faulty Towers is a British skit comedy show okay. um, with a uh, um the atheist guy. Um, Which one? <laughs> the the British atheist guy that was in uh, uh V for Vendetta. He was in. He played Sherlock Holmes' brother in the Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, Stephen know. Fry. Oh yes. Um, did Stephen Fry? Yeah. Yeah, he's in the second movie. Okay. They pop into his house, and they're like, hmm. oh, wow. And they're, they're, they behave exactly the same way. Hmm. Um, Stephen Fry and uh, the guy from House um, are in it. Um, anyways, Stephen Fry's character, I believe, in this one skit is named Cecil, and it's called Cecil's Car. And his car breaks down, and he starts kicking his car and getting angry at it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's laughing, but they all know that oh, this shouldn't, he shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that got brought up. Anyways, it's the... The way I understood C.S. Lewis's argument was is that we all have a sense that things shouldn't be a certain way when something happens. Um, and that it's not that we view the thing as evil, but that we have a barometer. That we have a, a value system for behavior. Um, that though each individual group might have a different law uh moral code okay so to speak the fact that we have moral codes well those differences would be ethics the distillation would be moral sure okay sorry yeah 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 but like as far as i'm aware the terminology is so the morals are something that is intrinsically right and wrong exterior to time and culture ethics are those morals applied so Give an example. Um, actually, um, how many wives should you have? Okay. So the the moral is you can't just have any woman. Okay. Or any husband, right? Or any man. Okay. But different cultures will interpret, okay, three, two, one, whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. Or let's, let's, a, a different one, a less controversial one maybe, would be, hey, you should be generous. Well, does that apply to your immediate family? To your extended family, to your nation, or to the world, yeah, to any neighbor, the tribe. There's yeah. always, and you can argue that it's always a in in out group. It always reduces to an in out group. Yeah, but the idea, but yeah. the, the moral is you ought not be selfish. Yeah. Now, does that ethically apply in the culture to? But there just would be people that family? would disagree on the you ought not be selfish. Right. Such as Nietzsche. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Ayn Rand, <laughs> yeah. who built a philosophy out of selfishness. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Um. 
But anyways, his uh, his when I read C.S. Lewis's argument, what I got from it was the fact that we just immediately think about any issue. This ought not be the case. Like is, cowardice is always wrong. No, 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 not that. Okay. Just when we see something happen and we immediately go wrong. Okay. Um, that the fact that we have that value system, whether or not, whatever way it's organized, mm -hmm. means that there should be something there because we have the effects of something. Same thing with his desire argument. Okay. The fact that we have a desire for for something and we only have desires for things that we can have. Yeah. Well, he does pair it up with the idea that we have human beings have a desire for, for they're, they're hungry. So there's yeah. food. Human beings have a sexual appetite. So there's sex. Yes. Human beings have a social appetite. So there's other, other yeah. human beings. Yeah. And that all of our desires have something except for what you could call a transcendental desire. Although yeah. this isn't the transcendental argument. Yeah. Um, where we desire for to be, to be known in a complete and whole way to have a relationship that's ex that's out that's larger than just other humans we have a what some evangelists have called the god hole but um human beings long for some sort of spiritual awakening and there is there's there's there doesn't seem to be a reason naturalistic reason for why that exists at least from what i've seen Okay. Did you, so Joel, did you have any disagreements with Josh's articulation? Not, not particularly. No, um, nothing huge. I, I think there, the kickback you would get would be, uh, is so deeply ingrained that we don't think about it anymore. Right. Like that, that the sure. memes are so deep that even you can't tell if it's because your culture doesn't want you to or if it's because your God doesn't want you to, right? And that's the argument that mm -hmm. I've heard made multiple times. I'm, I realize I'm playing devil's advocate here yeah. a little bit. No, this is good. Um, but that also, you know, I, I wouldn't feel honest if, if we got through this podcast and I didn't feel like that yeah. was, like if I, if I knew no, that was fine. there and that's wasn't fine. represented. So, uh, so just to continue this conversation, um, Dan, are you saying that humans are blank slates upon birth? No, not at all. Okay. Um, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, shoot. Well, the it's the the issue is, is the implications of if you believe the latter, the mm -hmm. the, uh, the alternative, yeah. right? Because people yeah. will then say, well, I I guess this is going. We're reverting back now, and mm -hmm. we might just be going in circles. So mm -hmm. move on if 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 that's what we're doing. But if you make the argument that yes, it is just us, let's say regurgitating something that's so deeply ingrained in us, then then it doesn't actually matter. We're mm -hmm. just pre-programmed. Mm -hmm be it culturally or whatever mm -hmm. that hey that is evil not just preferred like as if like as if humans had gone down the preferred track so much preferred mm -hmm. not preferred track that they be, that they got so deep into the human consciousness that now they're good and evil um sure well that or is they, or that what... good and evil is just the word we use for preferred yeah but but they're so deeply ingrained mm -hmm. that they've transcended what they originally thought yeah. mm -hmm. um you can make that argument it's <clears> just and can yeah. that happen in the, we'll say, conservatively, 30,000 years of culture that humanity has had? Yeah. Or, or is this a co-notion where both ideas are happening at the same time? Um, but... Oh, it's definitely some of both. Yeah. Like, yeah. to some degree, because there are things enforced by culture that don't seem to have a basis in the, mm -hmm. 
in, in human experience. And note, we're not talking about how revolutionary Christian ethics are and how <laughs> fast they took over human culture in 2,000 years when there wasn't a whole lot of examples of them beforehand. Yeah. Because okay, that's, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at some point when I'm educated and actually know something, mm-hmm. maybe I'll look at that. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's going to take not just philosophical outlook, but a massive sociological outlook and how yeah. do Christian ethics just explode and take over the world culture. Well, you would need to find evidence. Actually, this calls back to what mythology is in culture, mm-hmm. which is the distillation of the meme or the myth or the belief that is so abstract that, like we're doing now, we have to reduce them to stories so that they can actually be communicated. Yeah. Well, um, I think, oh no, does all of Christian ethics just boil down to self-sacrificial love? Okay, Are you, you saying that as a sarcastic comment? <laughs> no. <laughs> it feels sarcastic. <laughs> Because, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to have to write something down on that and then come back. Because I had <laughs> we'll, a thought, but we'll, never mind. We'll revisit that in how yes, Christianity. Yes, uh, but does every Christian virtue and every... Uh, never mind. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to make comments about the moral stuff? I think well, this is a... Um, this is an interesting presentation of the fact that we said well why christianity and then we started talking about why and then we're like oh but i disagree <laughs> what i think this is good at is what i said before um, not to pump my own brakes which is, is you have to kind of place an argument in front of somebody that relates to their life um which is the moral argument might not work yeah. on um, everybody as we've already discussed with about other people that we know the, the historical <laughs> argument might not work on somebody who's uh like 98th percentile in openness uh, and it just stares in front of a like painting all day right they might not care at all about the historical yeah. argument yeah there's tons of things yeah. in history that they don't like care how to about paint, take don't base their life on <laughs> right <laughs> right the mathematician might though look Belgium's at the, a made-up country the, um, <laughs> the uh the, the, the scientific the, uh, uh, we can't talk about this because Caleb it. goes off on this one the, uh, <laughs> what's the argument no the the intelligent design teleological yeah the, don't okay yeah teleological oh, I was going to say that teleological the, the universe is looks like oh, it's actually, you been can, ordered no, oh, sorry I'll stop well there's yeah the what's called the Goldilocks zone, which is yeah. which is that's an argument for for that, human life on planet Earth. But that's one thing. But not yeah. just that. Yeah. But the, the twenty speed something of, constant. of life. The where the pyramids are. Gravity has to function exactly. No, that's that's a, that's <laughs> another idea. Get off. Yeah. No. <laughs> the fact there are dinosaurs. <laughs> in the that's another idea. Get off. No. Um. The fact that water. Not only is something that we need, but is super abundant on our planet and is the ultimate uh, solvent. Yeah, you, you can. That give, carbon is. Yeah, you you can you can give evolutionary arguments for that. The main thing with the teleological argument is that reality has to function in its exact way. Yeah. Otherwise, everything would just mm-hmm. not just not just for us, but in many of the many of the many yeah. say. Um, Oh, yeah. metrics yeah. of how yeah, reality like, like, didn't how exist, gravity functions, speed of light, all that kind of stuff. That has, <laughs> you know this kind of thing. <laughs> you're saying if it, right. a leg is a leg is a leg is a leg. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff. You're saying if it, a leg is a leg is a leg is a leg. 
<laughs> you could tell it's an aspen because of the way that it is. Yeah. No, but if if those things weren't yeah. exactly um, that way, but reality itself would just collapse in on itself. Also, if multiverse theory, then you know what argument? Also, if multiverse theory, then you know what argument? You should be using if multiverse, then what argument? He's supposed to He's supposed to answer this. The, the ontological yeah. argument. But, if, in all, but according to Plantinga's version, you don't maximum need a great being exists right. in one universe. But if someone does bring up the multiverse... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, it, but if someone does bring up the multiverse, yeah. then it's like, ah, if there's an infinite amount of universes, does that mean there's a universe but it just, where... It just pushes the... Uh, powerful being exists in it. Right. Well, it just it's a great game. Well, no, because if you play the, the unmoved <laughs> no, you're right, argument, but it's a great say, game. What about an infinite set of universes? <laughs> yeah, that just puts the unmoved mover Which back is the cosmological amount of argument. steps, but he's still there. The air. Right. So what's the cosmological argument, Josh? The cosmological As opposed to teleological, which is intelligent design. But back to my other point. I'll get I'll get back to the cosmological point. But we defer. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, which, in Job, they talk about the Leviathan. Oh, shut up. Okay, Okay, so what I brought up was that different arguments are going to work for different people. The intelligent design one's going to work for mathematicians and whatever. There is another argument called the cosmological argument, which is really simple. There is another argument. Anything that has a beginning has a cause. Anything that, anything that begins to exist has a cause. Has a the universe cause. began to exist. To exist Therefore, it had a cause. The Kalam cosmological argument is, is its own yes. couple few steps. Yeah. Yeah. The Kalam cosmological uh, argument is, is its own William couple Lang few Craig steps. And then, uh, what's his name? William Lane Craig has his own version. Plantinga even has his own version. And they all yeah. they all modify that. But that base it's really is easy argument. The, the, the real yeah, really the, 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 the real difficult thing is with the theory of relativity, time is linked to matter. And if we know that matter came into being at some point, which we know, then time is linked to that. So how does things start outside of time? Um, because the, the being <laughs> doesn't... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We solved this outside of time. We got yeah. it. Because the, oh, the, yeah. the God of the Bible said, yeah. I'm not... Because the, because the, I'm, I'm eternal. Did he say that? <laughs> Yeah. He said it in that tone. Yeah. I think he was more confident in that tone. He said it in that tone. I'm eternal. He's worshiping. I don't think. Stop. Well. Stop. Stop. Um, yeah. So, um, do we want to try to, like we did with the moral argument, do we want to try to take apart the cosmological argument? Like we did with the moral argument. There was a time and a place where I actually had a critique of the moral argument. There was a time and a place where I actually had a critique of the moral argument, but it was only in class. Yeah. When there was a weird um, premise. Okay. Um, and then the prophet so fixed it when I was happy. Do you got a so devil's no. advocate for this one? Not to bring up the enemy. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to play the devil's advocate in everything, and I think the cosmological argument's, you know, one of the easiest ones to lay out. Well, um, what if the universe didn't have a cause? Well, I mean, it, it's. What do you make of the red shift? <laughs> Physics don't have to stay the same. Just shrug. Physics don't have. But as far as we know, they do. Keyword as. But far as far as, as we know, they do. Sorry, key sentence. You're right. You're right. Oh my goodness, you're guys. You're right. Cosmological argument. It's supposed right, to be one right. of the easiest. Wait, please. Wait. 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 Is his wait your argument against God in the cosmological <laughs> argument? <laughs> is atheist in the gaps. Yeah. 
We'll figure it out. We don't know what we don't know, dude. You're right. The circle keeps getting bigger. We don't know what we don't know. Dude. Just like the universe. You're right. The circle keeps getting mm-hmm. bigger. Um, You're right. Multiverse theory, go. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, have you ever seen this movie that's going to come out? So I haven't yeah. seen it either. Multiverse of Madness or if you with watched Doctor Loki. Strange. Or that there's I don't think there is a multiverse. infinite amount in, in there. Or if you've watched Loki. Yes. I don't think it's... Is, yeah. are the, is it infinite? Says in, the, in Marvel? In the, one sure of the lines is, is uh, yeah. in the yeah. multiverse, in the, anything can happen. Implying that there there's a... Infinite amount of variations that, that, that can occur. They say the that about Vegas. Does that mean that in in the Marvel universe that there's yeah, actual Jesus with actual God that is fully actualized yeah, that is, God? It is weird that they have a <laughs> right. Trinity. Um, in well, that's the Living Tribunal, who's the the speaker for the One Above All. Mm-hmm. Which they already died, and they're like, yeah, it's a robot, and they died. That was part of Loki. Yeah. Anyways, weird thing. Um, anyway, cosmological arguments, not that hard, you know. Things well, started saying okay show. Some people don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I say things people don't like all the time. Sir Arthur Penrose is like I say down things for people it. don't like, like. Yeah, all cosmological argument makes sense. I just oh, don't yeah. believe that there's a god there. He yeah. just doesn't know what it is. But yeah. here's the thing: most scientists agree the universe started. Which is <laughs> yeah. well, well, so here's the thing: um, let's do cosmological argument, but let's try to propose a different cause. What kind of characteristics does that cause have to have? Um, it has to. I don't know. Um, it has to. to time, mm-hmm. We don't exactly know if it's. If a it's exterior, exterior to time, we don't exactly know if it's a choice for that thing, quote unquote, whatever the cause is, to actualize reality, or whether it's the byproduct of a law. Okay. Which is one thing that I've heard. Are like, you saying what's like, his name? like Frank a, Turk, super physical Christian law? apologist that would like, like he argues that, be, that the universe be created? Yeah, he argues yeah. that yeah. Began, yeah, he argues that yeah. because it quote unquote began to exist just yeah. out of spontaneity, that, that it must have been a choice of a free will. I don't see that connection. It could technically be a let's say metaphysical law that the argument that, that would demands be, is it that to create that a physical reality by that metaphysical law where did the metaphysical law come from well that's that's the loop that it becomes no but that's what i'm saying is i that, agree like, with frank turk i just don't like his logic that idea with the metaphysical law then the metaphysical law still a bit has to obey the where did that come from and i suppose if the metaphysical laws if there is nothing then there must be something that doesn't work. <laughs> because, <laughs> no, because it, it means, couldn't it couldn't have a time based about, No, it's great. It eventually <laughs> has to create something. No, you're right. You're putting metaphysical law there. Because it's of time. I get it. I get it. Unless this thing wasn't bound I get it. I just I just find his argument weak when he goes, God. It doesn't have to be a personal God. Cause, cause the I agree with his conclusion. Personal God just argues for a deist God, at least. So he could have just made the universe and then left. Right, right. No, but when I say personal God, I mean a God with personality. That's what I mean. And will, specifically will. But it would personality have to have will. and will. More will than the personality. Right. But it would have to have Yes. Sure. Right. I guess. Sure. What's the alternative? I don't find it. I guess this is the part of the argument where I'm like, seven days. Okay. 
and and I don't know what Job was seeing, but like it had to be something big. Job in seven days? No, wait, what? I'm trying to drop back to the dinosaur thing, please. Oh, okay, so <laughs> no, we won't. I'm sorry, cosmological. Question: Was the whirlwind that he saw? Question: Otherwise, a tornado. Um, was that the pillar of smoke that the that let the Israelites out? Was God appearing the same way to multiple people? No. No. Maybe. I mean, there wasn't one person. I'm just saying no because I don't know. But there's one person who wrote them both down, so maybe he thought. Wait. Oh, it's. No, it's the idea that. um, What? uh, Because. Was Abraham where Job is from? Abraham. Hold on. So Moses might have heard the story of Job and written Job before he wrote the other five books. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, Right. They were most certainly edited to some degree. Yeah, for sure. Because the Old Testament mostly has that stuff. Um, well, where's Colton? He always disagrees with the others. <laughs> Anyways, documentary there theory is, seems pretty... There are it pretty fills a lot of the gaps. It's, 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 okay, I was listening well, to something today, and this theory. is a, a secular... Okay. Wait, did you just cut him off, and then you cut off his cut off? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> nice. Stay off of my story. I'm talking about Job now. <laughs> So he's gonna great talk about I was listening to something today uh, that was talking about Job being written down in like as late as the fifth to seventh century. Nope, seventh to fifth century BC. Okay, which is crazy. Um, so it's like way after Moses. Um, but Before. they expect that moral tr- what. Oh, century. Yeah. I thought you meant millennia. No. It was like five to seven thousand. No, years no, 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 no. It's like <laughs> we can't read cuneiform that well. Here's the issue. We, can't. Um, we can read cuneiform at like a second grade level. <laughs> like we don't know very much about it. No, I, I, I listened to a. Uh, hey, that's how I'm getting uh, through cuneiform college. expert reading. Uh, There's no trade, such thing. Trade manuscripts uh, between uh, cities that was going from. Uh, uh, Uruk yeah. to uh, Damascus. That's so cool. Uruk was the city built by the gods, by the way. Um, yeah. Possibly where Atlantis came from. Anyways. Yeah, so anyways, but it's a... She was also making the point that Damascus was the uh, oldest city with the same name in history. Okay. It's had the, the same name, and it's pronounced the same in multiple languages. Yeah. Um, like Constantinople, always in my heart. Like Constantinople, always in my heart. It's like this, she's reading this, like, tablet, and she's like, it's a manifest from the, like, like, like the job description from this one business owner who's like, hey, it's like, hey, Ula and Ulab, his son, you're going to go to Damascus. You're going to have to either cross through a bunch of these cities where you're going to have to pay tariffs. Mm-hmm. Or, like, taxes to enter and then leave and stay and stuff like that. Or you could go to the side road, which is highway robbers, mm-hmm. and you can go down that way. But if you go through the cities, make sure to hide the luggage in your pants so that they don't see that you're trading. Then you don't have to pay these many tariffs. And it's just, it's like, and it's dated literally, like, 5,000 B.C. And it's, wow. <laughs> it's like they're still dealing with taxes crossing borders. The issue with the Job dating is it doesn't reflect the the, the, the mm-hmm. earlier and earlier. By that I mean the closer and closer we get to Christ. Um, date it doesn't reflect the beliefs of a Torah believing or law believing Jewish 
mindset. Um, yeah, it, it, it reflects the thought. poem "The Righteous Sufferer," community. which is a Sumerian word. Yeah, so they expect that the story and, existed uh, for mm-hmm. long and before. the Egyptian yeah. story, a, a man and his god. Yes. But if it was, even if it was edited later on, you would expect at least to see evidence of the religious thought but of that time. don't we see that with the addition of uh, Eliu? And that's The youngest weird. one? The fourth, the fourth friend? There's evidence ooh, ooh, to suggest ooh. he wasn't originally in the yeah, story. You're right. Yeah, you're right. But I don't know if that shows evidence of religious thought of the seventh. Yeah, and it's, it's a weird time. But the, again, the they don't think that's where century. the story originated. That's when it was written down. Right. So it could have been oral tradition before then, or maybe we just like, had the earliest I, I, copy. Because again, this was a secular uh, historian that I was listening to. And a lot of times they take the latest date possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, well, it's also the. the, the <laughs> well, now I'm gonna have to think about it. Earliest. I guess. Yeah. Latest earliest? would be older. Earliest would be newer. Because I'm thinking from the beginning of time. You're thinking from. Because I've noticed that from Christ. Yeah, I guess so. I, sorry. From Christ. Well, that's normally what. That's normally how things are. Yeah. Yeah, but then you. Because Christ was the beginning of time. Well, According to John, at least. <laughs> why did you put that in there? <laughs> also, why did you say it like you were angry? Because I'm always angry. That's my secret cap. Because I'm always angry. I don't know. Do I know a fun fact? Um, uh, <laughs> do I know a fun fact? Um, <laughs> hey, let's just not deal with the last <laughs> Hey, let's just not deal with the last <laughs> um, So, have we settled if the Leviathan is a dinosaur? <laughs> How is this why? I've, <laughs> I've settled it. I don't know. If you, How is this why, why Christianity? He's where the dinosaurs are at. Why is God killed him? It's super dozen. <laughs> Who can tame Leviathan? God. With a meteor. God. Anyways, Jurassic World Dominion. Um... Okay, so we've discovered the moral argument, the historical argument, and the cosmological and teleological argument. What else? What else? We said the words. Yeah, barely, but yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. There's some other arguments. Let's cover my personal favorite. We barely covered anything effectively. There are. Yeah. Am I going to say it or do you want to talk? No, but... Okay. It's your favorite. So, Anselm? Yeah. I was getting him confused with Ockham for some reason. Yes. And I was like, oh, which one is it? (laughs) Anselm's razor. It's the best razor. razor. So Anselm had an argument called the ontological (laughs) argument. I don't remember his specific wording, but it had to do with if you can conceive of God, that's the idea. That which nothing greater can be conceived. Yeah. Um, Want me to look it up? Yes, look up Anselm's version of the argument. It's going to be exactly what I said. Um, Yeah, but his has like 14 steps. I'm sorry, be yeah, very combative. Like, okay, like, there, well, it's also the um, the physical the, the physical manifestation of an idea is greater than the thing. It's the idea itself. And yes, well, no, because there's Plantinga's version, which is much more easier to digest. Yeah, but Alan's Anselm has two versions. We'll read his first one in chapter two. We'll ignore the one in chapter three of his book. Um, it is a conceptual truth, or so to speak, truth by definition, that God is a being that uh, God is a being than 
which no greater can be imagined. Be imagined. It is the greatest possible being that can be imagined. God exists as an idea in the mind. A being that exists as an idea in the mind and in reality is, other things being equal, greater than a being that exists only in the mind. Thus, if God exists only as an idea in the mind, then we can imagine something that is greater than this God. That is, the greatest possible being that does not exist, or that does exist. Um, we cannot imagine something that is greater than God for it is a contradiction to suppose that we can imagine a being that is greater than the greatest possible being that can be imagined. Therefore, right. Here's the thing. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's one of those ideas <laughs> where like, Anthony you'll just be yeah. like Anthony Flew, <laughs> biking on your way to work, <laughs> and then like you've been an avid atheist your whole life, and then you'll just skirt. Oh no. It'll just click. It's not a great argument because it's not like actively powerfully convincing in all times. It It only works for PhD philosophers. People live in the world so high they can't think straight. Awesome. That's what I said. But let's read Plansky's version because that one is like we would go like my initial thought. My counter argument to that would be. My initial well, thought, I can just because I can think of something doesn't mean it exists. Yes, Plantinga actually yeah. has a phenomenal video on it, but he yeah. also yeah. has two uh, versions. Yeah. We'll read the shorter. Okay, premise one: It is possible that a maximally great being exists. Premise two: If it is possible that a maximally great being exists, then a maximally great being. Yes. Exists in if in some possible great, world. If a maximally uh, premise three. If a maximally great being exists in some possible world world, then it exists in every possible world because it's maximally great. Omniscient. Yeah. Premise four. If if a maximally great being exists in every possible world, then it exists in the actual world. Premise five, if a maximally great being exists in the actual world, then a maximally great being exists. Conclusion. Yeah, so if it's possible that a maximally great being exists, it exists. Yeah, so if it's possible that a maximally great being exists. Yeah. You really don't like this argument, eh? No, I love this argument. Yeah. No, I love this argument. Well, because immediately, the only way to disprove is I love it and I look at it and I'm like, you have to eliminate every possible world. It's not possible. Like, that's the I only way you can disprove the argument. I'm going to clip that you say we have to eliminate <laughs> every possible world. <laughs> I'm going to clip that you say we have to eliminate every possible world. It'll just be like above that your slogan. <laughs> <laughs> one, one alien wanted to eliminate half the life in a universe. Another wanted to eliminate all possible worlds. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Not just the actual, every possible. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, as I like this argument, I'm not intelligent enough to fully understand well, he gives a list it, or a little what, intelligent what are enough the traits to defend of a it. Well, he gives a list for what, what are the traits of a maximally great being. In his video, not here. I believe it's yeah, he does. Uh, omnipotent, video, not omnipresence. Here. I believe it's um, <laughs> omnipotent, omnipresence. I don't think um, he says omniscience. I don't um, think so either. 
Uh, it's all powerful, all present. I don't think and so either. If you're all present, you're all powerful. And if you're all powerful, yeah. you're all knowing. Because if you're all present, yeah. you're all knowing. Um, they kind of do feed into mm, each no, you're other, not, but actually. it's interesting. Um, not intentionally. I'm trying Joel's to think about it. Funny um, face. It's a very difficult one to bring well, down the and, premise. And the counter argument would be what? It's a very difficult one. Well, no, 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 because like that people will give an example. That, that's a stupid like, argument. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm actually a great pizza. Or actually a great turtle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. With with four elephants on it and the world's on top of that. That's a Easter. That's a. Shout out to another whole interpretation of cosmology. I'm trying to think of the premise that it You're would follow really the faces. worst possible being. The worst kind of cybernetic snake. Well, what's the, what's, <laughs> the, what's, the, what's the maximally worst being? Can you conceive of one? Um, the worst possible being would be one that is trying to kill me right now. What happens if one that's trying to actually make, bring you to a place? No, wait. What happens if one that's trying to actually bring you to a place? I don't die. It's just guys, permanent guys, torture. And I also, it would be worse. <laughs> also, it would be worse oh, if we no. got a guy for this. We, and then oh, fell. we made it. Oh, no, he's not here. We did it. Satan's not here. Is what you're saying? Oh, no, he's not oh, here. No, I was gonna say no, I'm the maximally Josh. evil being because I decided that Josh all beings don't <laughs> exist, whereas this oh, being so decides that all beings do exist. Oh, I thought paper. I thought I thought you were talking about how you wrote a massive paper on Satan. Because, by the way, Josh's slogan that he's never mentioned, but I'm gonna call it a slogan because it is, um, is quote. I have to try very hard not okay, to talk so about Satan about every I said, I'm really, <laughs> I'm trying my hardest not to talk about Satan right now. But yeah, say that. that's good. <laughs> you said that. It's because yeah. I kept talking with him for like a long time. And you brought him up in an ontological argument flipped on its head. I don't feel like it's flipped on its head because if we're talking about the maximally anything, right? Then the only thing that would make someone who is yeah. evil yeah, worse would be, would you know, to be maximally evil. Yeah. Does that apply though to any attributes? Or are we even sure that Satan is? Does that apply though to any attribute? In, in definition, because he's not all powerful in the same way I, God is. I also don't think that. Um, but yeah, the, this gets into our discussion about um, evil and. So is one of the arguments for why Christianity is Satan? No, it's. I don't <laughs> think we he's, don't like Satan. No, I don't think Satan is synonymous with evil. I think he's a a sinful being that is evil. But like, evil is the mm-hmm. the ultimate. The the he's equality the of the two, the thought that God and Satan are in some kind of eternal death evil. match. No. That's a Zoroastrian thing that slipped in that we didn't even realize. Right? Is that there is good and evil constantly intertwined? Yeah. Um, well, the well the. The, it's like the fight would be between order and chaos, but God is in control of chaos as well. Is it more mm. like Satan is the avatar of evil than him being? I think he's the king. But that would no, be personifying I, evil to some degree. No, I think what it what uh, the better argument. Sorry, because um, I'm I'm this podcast wildly sucks. outside. Right? <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> we're not talking about our topic, but I really want to continue. Oh. Well, no, because why Christianity, right? Because <laughs> you can have cool conversations with your bros on a podcast. Um, 
there's evil in the world. And so why is Christianity important is because it tackles evil in a real way. It, the maximally great being sacrifices himself so the maximally evil being doesn't win. Right. Okay. Because it's a cool story. Okay. How about this? Hell is the maximum distance from the ultimate good. Yeah. So hell would actually be the ultimate evil. I don't think so because it was created only, by God. Only in proximity to God himself. But it's, it's created by God and he's also there. It depends. We he's, don't know. He's on the I, so I'm not well, saying he's the creating the evil. Oh, are you he's talking, creating are you the talking actual hell? Or are you talking the lake of fire? So you were talking about how you didn't want to like overcomplicate it and get further away from the topic, and now you want to you know you want to talk about the difference between the lake of fire and hell. You know what? No, no, no. no. But but here's the thing. Either way, he's omnipresent. How are we gonna so get into this? Shield? He's there to he's there to an extent, at least minimally. But he's present. Let's not get into this. We'll, talk, we'll have a whole podcast dedicated on hell, by the way. It has point. to be for the place to exist. You know what? I'm starting You're to right. think this podcast is hell. <laughs> hey, no, no, it's not. It's actually the Catholics were right about purgatory. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen after death. It happens right here, right now. <laughs> and on Spotify and YouTube. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's summarize what we've talked about so far. Do you want to do that? No. Okay, Joel. <laughs> um... <laughs> So we talked about the monomyth to begin to try and tie everything together, and then we've ended up uh, basically talking about mythology all over the place, but not mythology in the fact that it is false, but that is a way to explain larger ideas through uh, an analogous context. And when mythology gets into the into the real, it starts to become theology. For sure. There's a line between uh, mythology and theology, but mm-hmm. where that is is, is really up to the interpretation of the person because you can tell them a myth and they can derive theology from it um mm-hmm. but you can't always be told theology and derive a myth from it so it's super all over the place the lines between <clears throat> the last five letters of that word <laughs> <laughs> yeah um apology okay so and then we talked about um the different arguments for uh the existence of god um the why christianity the why of christianity the moral argument the uh ontological argument and the cosmological argument oh also teleological argument um <clears throat> yeah i don't really know how to, to try and, and his, wrap this historical up. we also like what do you do with jesus oh yeah for yeah. sure i mean that's a, that's a big deal um of course I, I find just because of the historicity of it um sometimes the first 11 chapters of genesis are uh more difficult for me to reconcile uh in history than the life of jesus um, just okay. because there is, are things like the calendar that hinge off of his existence, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it yep. seems like we got Jesus pretty solid in history. Josephus is like well, talking about. Do we him. want to get into mysticism? <clears throat> we did gonna, talk about. Mysticism. I was going to ground this conversation into like personal lives. Okay, you do that. We'll have a different episode on mysticism. <laughs> I thought we were just going to ground the the podcast uh, into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about why Christianity on the big scale, the historical arguments, the uh, the scientific arguments, the moral arguments, the stuff like that, the logical arguments. Why do you, Caleb, believe in Christianity? Why Christianity for you? Because I think I've experienced both personally and through other people and living out in this world. So within myself, within others... And in the context of reality, I've experienced Christ's movement. Okay. 
And I think I've seen both the conviction and the love of God through the Spirit active in myself, in his believers, his body, and in the world as a whole. Also, the narrative of Christianity matches, it seems to be, the trajectory and patterns within reality. Okay. There you go. Okay. Joel, why Christianity for you? Um, <clears throat> I think... I said it in my first year of Bible college, but it was it was my thought then. I don't know if it's as much my thought now, but I said, what is the point of faith if we make up all the rules kind of mm-hmm. a thing? So it, it is, to some degree, uh, parameters in which to philosophically play. You sure. know, it, it is it is something to, uh, to ground truth in. Um, and, and ultimately, that's in the figure of, of Christ himself uh, as the... the uh, the physical and the spiritual uh, meeting, mm-hmm. right? Um, which, of course, you know the reference there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I would say that's it. Um, there's, I'm sure part of it, uh, part of what I believe that I haven't um, come up against yet is going to be cultural, right? Okay. That I was born into a Christian household. Um, but from what I found, the more I dig into Scripture, the more I dig into church tradition— um, those things seem to be evident in reality. So that's where I am. Okay. And you, Josh? Yeah. So for me, it's because um, I'm only here because of it. Um, Not in a grand way. I mean, like um, it's the only reason why uh, my mom was able to raise me effectively. It's the only reason Mm -hmm. why my, I have a stepdad. It's the only reason why I have a community, a job. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the only reason why I got a degree. Um, and it's all because of that one guy mm-hmm. um, who happens to be a god. And I'm not sure if either of you, have you ever had an experience with Christ personally? Yeah. In, in, what, in what fashion are you talking? Like audible, visual? Audible, whatever. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. If, though different. Okay. And each time is different. Um, and then there's also just like the emotional side of things like when things click yeah yeah um where you'll just be so like you guys know when when i when the bluff at uh, at at our school yeah. right yeah um i think it was like second year i went there this is, i'm just using this as an example um i just went there and it was i was hanging out there i was praying um and for a moment there was a little bit of an insight into like, hey, this is how, mm-hmm. this is one aspect of how the world's broken, yeah, and it's just like ruined me, yeah. Um, but it's been, at least as far as I can tell, it was God. But yeah, but that's why I love. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, right, yeah, because your love exists through pain, yeah. Um, your love is made perfect through pain, thus Christ, yeah. Um, and as Moments like that, and just Wait. different moments. Yeah, um, is is that what you're asking? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, have you ever met or talked to or had a spiritual moment with God? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I realize I'm asking Pentecostals if they've ever had a spiritual moment, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, every Sunday on my way to church. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, 
couple of different times I would call back to. Um, some of which, <clears throat> so I, I decided to uh, to come to school after one of those uh, experiences with mm-hmm. with uh, God, and, and it was. I've always found that uh, for a short time there, God was working predictably in my life. Right, that when I had an experience with God, it would actually would feel the same, and I would know kind of what it was when mm-hmm. it hit me. Right, um, what his what it felt like for a spirit to fall upon me, kind of a thing. Right, which is a very Pentecostal thing to say. I realized that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but then the last time that happened to me, I realized that the predictability of an experience with God. Um, if I depend on that, He's serving me, and I'm not serving Him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and ever since then, every experience I've had with, with Christ has been vastly different, right? Um, I, I know that standing, I, I, was, I went on a uh, volunteer trip to uh, take some, a youth group out to, to the cabin, right, with a couple of leaders, and uh, I was there to play guitar for, um, for the weekend or whatever, it was like three days or something mm-hmm. like that, and just looking out into, um, into the forest, for no like being there for no other reason than to to maybe show the love of Christ to these to these kids right that were mm. from like they were like inner city kids type deal right um, it was it was a it was a moment where I realized Christ was kind of everywhere you looked right if you were if you were uh, open to seeing him yeah which yeah I, I also have a problem with over spiritualizing things so that's okay I'm gonna try not to go into that yeah. And then the other time is when I, I felt called to come to Bible college in the first place, but I'll tell that yeah. story right now. Yeah, no, it's fair. Mm-hmm. I just, I love those arguments and they're <laughs> necessary and beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I really love the personal reasons why. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, that's awesome. The experiencing the love of God um, personally mm-hmm. is not as, uh, not as intellectually convincing. Mm-hmm. But it is so much more powerful and so much more convincing mm-hmm. and for absolutely no reason why. It's like it's like the love of a mother mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, she loves me. And then somebody's like, why? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you know? Well, and it's just like, oh, I just I just know. What actually motivated me to come to Summit was the uh, so I was house sitting. Mm-hmm. I was running young adults and youth at this place. And I was my plan was to climb the uh, the um, ladder at my job. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. That was why I got hired there. But uh, I was house sitting. This friend of mine came and visited, and he was like, "Oh, fence Christian, off and on." He was not doing well. He was mm-hmm. on the trajectory of off. And we were hanging out, talking, and talking about the Bible and whatnot. And then <clears throat> nothing really spiritual happened, quote unquote. Um, but when it clicked, when the grace of God, when he understood the free grace of God and what that meant, and yeah. the hope that that offered. Mm-hmm. And it clicked in his head. And just to kind of like see that spark, that change in the eyes, yeah. it was like, and it's, holy moly, I want to be there every it, time when that happens. And it's I don't so care about work. different than when you're like struggling on a math problem and you're like, you figured out, you're like, oh, it's yeah. so much greater than that. Yeah, it's like that plus <laughs> everything that's better. And it's well, just yeah, to it's see all that. All of a sudden, you're, it's, ignore astrology. It's like your entire <laughs> life aligns. Yeah. Every moment in your life suddenly makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's hope. Yeah. And there's 
Yes. Yeah. Suddenly you feel rooted in reality in a way that you've never felt it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, emotions are strong. And I think this leads us to our final... Our segment. Segment. Yeah. Um, whatever floats your quote. Whatever floats your quote. Where we bring in a quote that uh, it really doesn't have rhyme or reason. It's not like uh, the where the laws get profound. Where it's like a non-Christian says something that's Christian. Um, or really true. Um, it's... What's our other segment? Do Where the know? lost get profound. No, no, no. Uh, Augustine or... Uh, Olstein. Olstein. Where we bring up quotes that are yeah. interesting. This one's just a quote that I like. Um, this is the opening chapter of a book called The Hating Game. Um, never read the book. Just saw the chapter. And it's the quote. And it's great. And it talks about emotions. Um, it The book opens. It's only two paragraphs. Um, I have a theory. Hating someone feels disturbingly similar to being in love with them. I've had a lot of time to compare love and hate, and these are my observations. Love and hate are visceral. Your stomach twists at the thought of the person. The heart in your chest beats heavy and bright, nearly visible through your flesh and clothes. Your appetite and sleep are shredded. Every interaction spikes your blood with a dangerous kind of adrenaline, and you're on the brink of fight or flight. Your body is barely under your control. You're consumed, and it scares you. Both love and hate are a mere version of the same game, and you have to win. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was good. What would you say the book was called? The Hating Game. I'm, I'm not going to recommend the book. No, fair I just, enough. I saw yeah. that, and I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> um, um, I liked the, the mirror The effect, juxtaposition. The juxtaposition of them, but they both cause the same thing. And it's not that the same... And I think in culture, we have this, like because of the emphasis on love mm-hmm. we've come to hate the idea of hating at all mm-hmm. but hate has its specific place and for specific reasons okay um and so just like like we dislike anger but there are moments where anger is good okay um and just seeing the the reflection of itself is just dope yeah no, I, I like it. Uh, yeah. I honestly, I'd have to think about it more. Yeah. But I do like the juxtaposition. I do. Hmm. If you define love as wanting the best for the object of love, mm-hmm. for the benefit of the object. Yeah. It would be interesting if the definition of hate then would be wanting, wanting. the worst. Yeah. For the object. Yeah. For the worst of the object. Yeah. Um, I'd have to ruminate on that. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's your yeah. quote. Yeah, I just saw that and I was just like, wow, I want to share that with somebody. All right. Well, I guess that's that's it. Thanks for suffering with us through this podcast. <laughs> um, you going to be get off your phone there, Joel? I was trying to find another quote, but it doesn't matter now. Thanks, Caleb. <laughs> I had to. It I reminded to. me of another thing. The I'm opportunity sorry. presented itself and I had to. I did not I, seize the opportunity. Actually, since we're on the conversation of why. Yeah. Are, are we? Still Christianity. <laughs> We've been like bouncing no, we've been around it. About it. Um, yeah. If there are any listeners on this podcast yet, put the reasons why you believe in Christianity in the comments and or on our podcast, on our website. Yes. Yeah. Is there a feedback section on our website? There will be. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I'm going to build another website page. (laughs) We have that like email thing. You're right. No. Yes. There is a feedback thing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, let See, us I'm know. Dumb. Leave, 
You're not. I never said you were. You're good. You're doing mm. good. I just didn't like the way you implied. Okay. I'm going to have to make Man. another cycle. I think I'm starting. Start- I think the other two might be the, the reasonable of us because this podcast has been so unhinged. Thanks for coming out and listening. Uh, share it with your friends. Subscribe. Whatever. Love each other. Yes. We love you. Not as much as God, though. We're no. Okay. <laughs> love the Lord your God and love your neighbor Just as yourself. Just stop the episode already. <laughs>